You are listening to Hoisting the Sail, a supply chain podcast. From our studio at the Brooklyn Navy Yard overlooking New York Harbor, we talk to the innovators and professionals who use the wind to power the maritime supply chain. I'm your host, Kat Bride. Hoisting the Sail is presented by Windsupport NYC. Retrofitting comes up very often in our program, and we have a great guest today who's going to tell us all about it and uh, specializes in helping big shippers figure out how to be more efficient. We'd like to welcome Halke Kite-Powell, a senior analyst with Marsoft. He is on the line with us in Boston, Massachusetts. And Halke, we are so delighted to have you to the program today. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Very good to be here. Thank you. Okay, tell us about your journey. We, we love hearing about the career path of all the professionals we get to speak to. It's always very varied, and oftentimes people who get into the maritime industry end up here by mistake. Did you grow up by the sea? Are you a, a sailor in your off hours? Uh, tell us about how one becomes a senior analyst at Marsoft. Well, there are many paths to that place. Um, I did grow up by the sea. I was born in northern Germany in Hamburg, the largest port cities in Europe. I have been a sailor for most of my life. I studied naval architecture and marine engineering as an undergraduate and have spent many years working in academia as well as with industry. Um, on marine resource management questions. In the last few years, I've come back in a way a little bit to my roots of naval architecture in thinking about how to reduce carbon emissions from commercial ships. And that is uh, the work that has led to this decarbonization initiative at Marsoft. So we read that the company was founded in 1979 and that the focus of the company is specifically on the maritime industry. Tell us about your projects. What are you working on these days? Sure. So Marsoft uh, provides a range of consulting services uh, to ship owners uh, and to banks who finance shipping. Mm -hmm. A lot of those are focused on understanding the dynamics of the shipping markets. We do a lot of work on understanding and forecasting the shipping markets and helping ship owners uh, and banks manage risks of their shipping portfolios. We are now also very intensively focused on assisting with the transition of ships and ship uh, owners to a lower carbon emissions way of operating. So tell us about that process. A, a ship owner or a, a broker or charterer comes to you and says, I know that we pollute, but we're trying to pollute less. How do we do it? And do you give them the advice? Yes, it's a little bit like that. Uh, we work primarily in this space with ship owners, also to some extent with banks who mm -hmm. are keenly focused now on understanding and reducing the carbon intensity of their investment portfolios. But the primary focus is on the choices that ship owners have to make, particular owners of older ships. The future of shipping is going to 
transition in the coming decades to whole new ways of propelling ships, fuels, greater reliance on renewable sources of propulsion energy. But in the near term, there are a lot of vintage ships, as we call them, ships that mm -hmm. were, uh, let's say, before 2015 or so, that are still in the prime of their life, but that were not designed for intensive fuel efficiency focus the way modern eco-ships are, and that can be made more fuel efficient by retrofits. Okay. And so how are you able to make those evaluations? Do you, do you go to a shipyard and you, you take a look at a vessel or you collect data from the, from the ship owner? Uh, tell us about what that's like and how you're able to make those recommendations and estimations and how you can even say to a ship owner, okay, we have a couple of ideas for you. They're going to save you money and time and make your ship more efficient, but this is what it's going to cost. So I'm, I'm sure that a lot of the, the, the retrofitting for, for these vessels comes at a big cost. How are you able to convince the ship owners that spending the money is really going to come back to them in some way? Now that's a key question, of course. Um, we have developed software tools in collaboration with colleagues at MIT. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us analyze the performance, the fuel consumption performance of a specific ship using information about that ship that the owner provides to us. Okay. And that lets us uh, analyze also the likely effect of retrofits for that ship, different combinations of physical modifications, changing the propeller, say, or the bow, adding wake flow improvement devices, tuning the engine and so on. We can analyze all of that in software with a high degree of accuracy okay. and provide guidance and also estimate with accuracy what that will mean in terms of fuel savings over time once the retrofits are applied. And that has, of course, uh, important implications for the owner and their uh, return on retrofit investments. It also allows us to give owners a easy way to gain access to carbon credit revenue. And that is uh, perhaps the most significant near-term innovation in all of this. Owners of ships make the investment to install retrofits. For a typical vintage ship, that investment might be anything from $100,000 to $500,000 or more to achieve a certain reduction in the fuel consumption. The trick to it is that the owners pay for the retrofits but don't necessarily see the financial benefits directly because in many cases, the charterers are the ones who pay the fuel bills and who realize the gains from higher fuel efficiency. That is where carbon credits can come in and make retrofit investments more profitable for the owner. Because even though the charterer may pay the fuel bill, if the owner can get credit for having accomplished a reduction in emissions from that ship, 
there is a process to gain carbon credits, which can be then sold in the voluntary offset market. And that becomes a revenue stream owner can take advantage of and make their retrofit investments more profitable. And for these carbon credits, give us an example of one where it's paid off. Uh, Well, there are different carbon credit markets. Some of them are regulated. So automakers in the United States operate in a regulated market where they have to demonstrate a certain fuel efficiency for the cars that they make and sell. And if they don't reach certain targets, they have to buy additional credits associated with the excess emissions. Tesla, to date, as I understand it, has made more money selling carbon credits in that market than they have from building and selling cars. That's an extreme example. Right. Many of your listeners are probably familiar with uh, the possibility to buy voluntary carbon offset credits if they want to offset emissions from air travel that they undertake. One can go to a carbon credit marketplace and pay for carbon credits that reflect reductions in emissions that have been accomplished somewhere else. And that is the principle here. If an owner invests in retrofits on an older ship, and as a result, there are several hundred tons of fuel saved over the course of a year, uh, perhaps a few thousand tons of CO2 not emitted because of those investments, that owner can get credit for that emission reduction and sell that credit to who wants to offset their own emission. I see. And do you see that as a primary driver of why ship owners are, are coming to you to, to manage that decarbonization? Or, or, or do you think it's kind of a combination of the two? It's, I would say that it is a, a way of increasing the funding that owners effectively can generate okay. to pay for these emission reductions, to pay for making their ships more fuel efficient. So I think it's fair to say that majority of owners we work with understand both the imperative that everyone in the world faces to reduce their carbon intensity and reduce their carbon emissions. They want to make their ships as efficient as possible. So under regulatory and stakeholder pressure to do so, uh, financial institutions that... uh, lend to ship owners through the Poseidon principles and other mechanisms are driving decarbonization. Uh, Stakeholders, charterers are are, uh, urging ship owners and incentivizing them to provide fuel efficient ships. So the pressure to do this is coming from many places. Mm -hmm. The carbon credits are really a way to provide an additional source of revenue to ship owners to encourage and, and increase investments in decarbonization. That's the goal, I think. Right. And with the available carbon credits out there, do you think that enough ship owners are really taking advantage of that? 
Today, they are not, by and large, taking advantage of carbon credits. And mm -hmm. the reason for that is not that they don't want to, but that historically it's been very complicated to do so. You have to document in a very rigorous way the emission reductions that your investments have resulted in, in order to uh, gain access to carbon credits. And this is where Marsoft has changed the game with mm. what we call our green screen process. It is the same model that I described earlier that mm -hmm. accurately calculate the fuel consumption of a ship. It allows us to also accurately calculate the differential, the delta in fuel consumption that is a consequence of investing in retrofits. And by working with the gold standard organization, which is one of the world's leading carbon credit rating and issuing agencies, we've been able to put in place this process that simplifies and streamlines this documentation of emission reductions for ship owners, mm -hmm. and therefore makes it possible and realistic and feasible to access these carbon credit markets where that really wasn't the case before. Sure. And Hoka, we know that a lot of ship owners tend to be pretty conservative when it comes to making improvements or, or getting into new technology. Are you finding that after you are able to complete these reports and really uh, uh, review the entire efficiency and make recommendations for retrofits, that ship owners are, are going ahead and taking your advice and going through with it? Or do you think some of them, they're, they're, they're kind of speculating right now or, or more wait and see? I think ship owners are by nature conservative and for good reasons. Mm. They um, operate expensive assets in environments that are not kind to people who take technological risks. And so uh, I would never fault them for being conservative uh, in that way. But we do absolutely see ship owners making more and more substantial investments in retrofits, uh, looking at a wider range of alternatives, including things like wind assist. And uh, that is a trend that we want to be part of, we want to encourage, we want to accelerate by improving access to carbon credits. I'm so glad that you brought up wind assist, but I just wanted to, to jump ahead real quickly. Carbon credits are different from carbon offset, but are they really, are they not? Can you tell us what differentiates the two? Yeah, I think they're two sides of the same coin. Uh, mm -hmm. Carbon credits are uh, literally a, a credit that someone has in their account that uh, certifies that they have accomplished a reduction in a carbon emissions in some meaningful way. So they uh, have owned this credit that says that a ton of CO2 has not been emitted that would have otherwise been emitted because of something that I did. Now, they can sell that to someone else who wants to take credit for having accomplished a reduction in carbon emissions. That credit can be traded in that way. And sure. that's the, the example of an airline traveler, let's say, who wants mm -hmm. to do this. 
you may also have heard of uh, charterers and traders who want to be able to market a cargo, let's say of LNG that they're delivering to Japan as being delivered carbon neutral. Those traders will have bought carbon credits to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the term offset refers to really the same principle. When you buy a carbon credit, effectively paying someone else to reduce emissions for you, you are offsetting by that process emissions that you are generating. And so they're the same. The key distinction is between these voluntary credit and offset markets where no one is forced to buy or sell anything and the regulated carbon markets where power companies or in the future in Europe under the current proposals, ship owners are required to buy and sell credits to account for the emissions that they generate. Mm different and those markets uh, are are distinct right I did want to get to your comment about uh, wind assist and the the retrofits now i know that that's not let's say the the number one uh recommendation that you're making right now but we would love to get an idea since the, the really on this podcast our raison d'etre is a is about encouraging uh wind propulsion in global shipping we'd love to know your your system of um uh, evaluating the the different types of retrofits, but for wind specifically, are you familiar with the rotor and wing sails and the kite sails and what how carbon credits could be estimated when when adding one of these, for instance? Yes, I, I am familiar with those technologies, and we are in the process of integrating more and more of those in our modeling process. So. Uh, an owner who installs a wind assist device on a ship and thereby reduces the carbon emissions from that ship um, is eligible for carbon credits in the same way they would be if instead they had, let's say, replaced the propeller and installed a wake flow duct to mm -hmm. improve efficiency. In both cases, the ship emits less carbon after the retrofit uh, than it would have before for a given route and given operations. The difficulty with wind assist in this process is that unlike, let's say, a revised propeller, which has a very predictable, consistent effect on fuel consumption, uh, wind assist installation will have variable effects on fuel consumption depending on the route and the weather conditions right encounters so the modeling process is a little more complicated it involves understanding how the wind assist installation on that specific ship interacts with the engine and the rest of the ship mm -hmm. to affect fuel consumption under different weather conditions and uh, that is to say wind speed and direction relative to the traveling path of the ship right. and so so that is a more complex modeling project uh, but it's one that we're taking on and i anticipate a time in the not too distant future when we will probably be uh, 
helping ship owners uh, generate carbon credits based on wind installations on ships. Right. And we, I mean, we are seeing that with uh, some of our, our European guests. And I, I, I wanted to um, uh, get into that real quickly. Are most of your customers with Marsoft, are, are they American ship owners or do you have a, a global customer base? It's very much a global customer base. Uh, we have clients in the U.S. We have clients in many parts of Europe and, and also all across Asia. Mm -hmm. And let's say uh, to contrast the European and Asian with the uh, American ship owners, what are the differences as to what they're asking for right now? What are you noticing that's different? Or, or are you finding that they are asking for uh, all the same things? I think by and large, they're asking for the same things. They're mm -hmm. all, all focused uh, very intensely on the activities at the IMO on EXI mm -hmm. and CII calculations, how they're going to respond to those, uh, what it means to uh, be working with financial institutions in the age of the Poseidon principles, and what technological options they should consider for their older ships. Um, there's a whole other set of questions around new buildings uh, do you uh, anticipate a shift to LNG or some other kind of transition fuel? Uh, should you delay ordering new ships at this point while some of those technological questions get sorted out? So everybody is thinking about those same questions. I think a big distinction is between owners who typically buy new ships uh, and owners who buy and sell older ships there. Sure. Uh, I think that that's probably the biggest distinction, but uh, I, I don't see a, a big difference between North American owners, let's say, and European owners in that regard. We're delighted that you are going to be integrating more of the, the wind assist into your programs. Do you think that it's going to make a significant comeback or, or do you think that it's going to take more time for, for ship owners to, to really um, have faith in a free and renewable uh, energy source again? I personally believe it's going to make a significant comeback and mm -hmm. probably sooner rather than later. Uh, I think that the modern sailing technology is vastly superior to what we've had in the past. Right. And the uh, economic arguments, especially on certain routes and for certain types of ships, are going to be overwhelming, I believe. Right. I hope that, uh, that it happens very soon. I will admit to being a little bit uh, nostalgic in this regard, because when I was an undergraduate, I actually worked on wind technology for commercial cargo ships and then graduated right at the time that the energy crisis was over and mm. the interest in that disappeared. So right. it's very good to see it coming back and for all the right reasons. And uh, I, I'm very optimistic that it will make a substantial contribution over the coming decades. 
Well, we're so happy to hear you say that because we, we're completely on the same page. We think the exact same way. And I know we're coming up to time. So I, uh, I wanted to thank you, of course, for joining us. But we always like to offer our guests a, a, um, an open floor at the end to uh, tell us more about a, a topic, something that you want us to really know about, something that is of interest to our audience. Um, any final thoughts do you have, Hauke? No, uh, not really. I think we've covered all the important ground here. I've, I'll just close by saying that uh, getting a handle on global carbon emissions and changing the trajectory of, of climate change that we're on currently is a critical task for everyone in the world today. And those of us who are in carbon intensive industries like shipping probably bear a special responsibility in that regard. And it's very gratifying to me to see so much attention being paid to this across the shipping industry today, uh, and so much progress, frankly, already being made. And um, I anticipate being able to contribute to that transition through the work here at Marsoft. Um, I think we have a powerful uh, tool that ship owners can use to help generate additional revenues from investments they make that will serve their stakeholders and their bottom line and the planet. And I think that that's a winning combination. Oh, well, that's, we love ending the program on a positive note. So we're very thankful for that. We've been speaking with Hauke Kite-Powell, the senior analyst at Marsoft. He's been on the line from Massachusetts, from, from Boston, Massachusetts, in fact. And uh, we've been very happy to have you on the show today. Thank you again for joining us, Hauke. Thank you for the work that you do. And thank you very much for having me on today. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not already subscribed, please sign up to Hoisting the Sail wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, visit Windsupport NYC on LinkedIn. Write to us at podcast at windsupport.nyc.